What is up, fine people of the King Pilled world? Uh, you'll have to forgive me if I am uh, shivering or acting like I'm cold because I am absolutely freezing. Not exactly sure why, but uh, I was able to get the house warmed up to 66 degrees right after we got back home. My hands are freezing. I almost wore gloves, but you know, I didn't. Wouldn't be able to type with with uh, with gloves on. So, um, I think I was going to say. I hope that those of you listening here, that if you don't listen to that intro with some good quality headphones in, then or on, then go back and do that. You know, obviously wait till we're finished with the show. But but that bang that 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 intro song is a banger, and it's it's bassy. You don't get that if you don't have the headphones in. So uh, if you want to truly appreciate the fine piece of art produced by this uh, clickety-clackety green fellow on the other side of the screen from me, then, uh, yeah, definitely wear some headphones for it. There is just just wonderful things happening in the live chat right now. If you guys are not watching us live on YouTube in particular, then you're missing out on just a, just a banger of a conversation. Real highbrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get some banger emotes in the house here, because <laughs> because that that conversation's a banger. <laughs> oh man, how's it going, Cooper? Hello, Matthew. How was your day today? <clears throat> Are you enjoying twenty twenty four? Is it treating you well? I forgot. It is a new year. It is a new year. New yeah. year, new me. Yeah, are you new now? Or are you just same old grumpy Grandpa Cooper who's got to go to bed early? Well, yes, but I'm making changes. Like, for example, tonight I'm not going to bed early. Xavier's coming over, and we're drinking beer, and I'm starting early. Oh, nice. Right on. You were ringing in the new year right. You're just That's doing right. it a day late. Yeah, well, I had to get to bed on time last year. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't the first year in a long time that I haven't cared about about midnight. But like, I I just I went to bed at like I don't know ten or something, and just never even it like basically didn't even occur to me. I went to bed at ten, and I got up the next morning and looked at my phone, and it said twenty twenty four, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess I guess last night was was the new year. Huh. I uh, I had slept uh, most of the day. I wasn't feeling too well over the weekend, so I I stayed up till midnight just because I had spent like you know I'd slept for like sixteen hours or whatever. <laughs> so I was kind of awake. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, today um, I got to go do something that was very uh, soul refreshing. We'll put it that way. There, so I'm in in this Greater San Antonio area. And there's a monastery nearby that we've been aware of, but we haven't had the opportunity to visit it yet in the time that we've been here. And a good friend of the show, Tommy Sammons, hit us up a few weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods here in the next uh, on January 2nd, if you guys want to go check out the monastery with me. And we were like, well, you know, that's as good a time as any. Go, Go see it for the first time. So uh, we drove up there this morning and met up with with Tommy and uh, his I think it was his like his his brother brother in law something like that sorry I don't remember which what what the relationship was there and then uh, uh, Tommy's son was there too so it was cool meeting him uh, and then and then 
uh, also good friend of the show, Buck Johnson, drove out, and uh, so we all got to got to check out the monastery. I took some pictures and I wanted to share them with you guys. I posted them all in the Kingpilled Discord, which you can join if you go to subscribestar.com slash kingpilled for at least another few days you can get in there. Um so uh yeah, okay, everything looks like it's showing up right. So yeah, so we I we when we got there we we walked in and went inside the temple. And it is just absolutely stunning, stunningly, stunningly gorgeous, perfectly peaceful, quiet. Uh, Father Michael let us in, and uh, another Father Michael, Cooper's spiritual father is Father Michael. Uh, met another one today. He's a monk, and he's really cool. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of them Michaels out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good Christian name. Mm-hmm. So if you notice here, can you see my mouse in the picture? I can. Okay. So this iconostasis, it runs from here all the way across and all the way over to here. It's, I don't know how tall it is, like 20, 20 something feet all the way up to the top. You can't quite tell in this picture. I think I took some a little closer, but it is ornately carved out of white oak. I believe he said it is from just north of Thessaloniki. And it took 24 carvers two and a half years to carve the whole thing. There's a whole bunch of little icons carved into it. So they've got like uh, the beheading of John the Baptist over here underneath the John the Baptist icon. They've got uh, 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 Christ's baptism over here. They've got a bunch of other ones. One really interesting one that I think was down over on this side here somewhere is actually a, a, a depiction of an event that happened when they were building the temple. So this temple was uh, built apparently on the site of what used to be a mosque. And so they had a guy who came in. He was, a I don't know, some migrant worker or something like that. Didn't speak English. He was uh, painting something on the, they, they were just finishing it up and he was painting something on the gate or something like that. And, he's sitting there painting away and he kind of just kind of felt something and he turned and looked over his shoulder and there was two men standing next to him. They just come out of nowhere and he freaked out and dropped the, the paint bucket, his paint went everywhere and he just booked it. He just took off running. And uh, uh, Elder Ephraim was there and they, they called him over because uh, this guy was just going on and on and on. And if I'm remembering the story correctly, I think Elder Ephraim spoke Spanish. So he, I think it was Elder Ephraim who spoke to him spoke to the guy and the guy said he was standing there painting and uh just turned and all of a sudden there was two men next to him and they the uh, elder Ephraim said what what uh would what, what they look like were they they tall he said yeah they were very tall and he said tall like me and he said no they were like twice as tall as you they were like 12 feet tall or something like that um he said they were wearing robes like you except they were all white and they were glowing and they looked like twins and they were just smiling at me and Elder Ephraim said, "Oh, it was the archangels." So, um, so it's it's holy archangels, I believe, is the name of the monastery, Greek Orthodox monastery. Uh, so that that depiction of the guy standing there painting with the two archangels next to him is is they they told the people who were who were carving it and they carved that in um, as they were doing it. So you you can see uh, as as Buck Johnson here in the chat says, "There's a guy that hates emo right there." Um, okay, yeah, here you can see a little kind of ugly. <laughs> yeah you mean buck right not this 
Yeah, the guy who doesn't like emo. Yeah. I think he looks kind of was... gay. It's probably good that he's there. <laughs> yeah, he needs it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Another another cool thing was uh, right. I believe it's right here. Is an icon of Saint Seraphim of Seraph, who is Buck's patron, and mm-hmm. today was his name day on the new calendar, which is the, okay. the, the Greek calendar, obviously. Um, so it was kind of cool. Buck got to see his patron there. Um, so yeah, here's now. This is really cool when you come in. Uh, this is this gigantic thing hanging here from the ceiling. They said that this bar up here that it's hanging from is a is a steel bar that's just has like a veneer of wood over it. But you've got on the outside here, you have these icons of uh, all the Old Testament prophets. And then on the inside are all of the apostles. Then you have this. So the, this is this this ring is hanging separately on the outside. Then you've got the hand of Christ here giving the, in the shape of giving a blessing, reaching down. Then there's a globe here that symbolizes the earth. We'll leave, just leave that for now. Um, and then up here is supposed to symbolize heaven. So this is heaven and earth with Christ reaching down. And then this symbolizes the church. On Why the is the earth the a sphere? <laughs> Shut up, Cooper. <laughs> That's another show. <laughs> Uh, the apostles. So this this is the church with the apostles on the inside and the uh, the patriarchs on the outside. Uh, and this, so this this here on the inside swings independently, and this swings as well. So they these are candles up here. So for the feasts, they light all of the candles and then they come in and they swing them. So they all swing around in there, which would be an incredible uh, visage to see. Uh, so here's more. This is the bishop's uh, chair over here, the bishop's throne, and then icons there you go you get a better view of this the the i don't know what you would call it a, it's like a chandelier kind of hanging chandelier. down here mm-hmm. yeah shout out tommy salmon's over there and then there's a better view and there's the hand of christ you can see it more clearly now there's the bishop's throne you notice his uh his uh, staff with the two serpents at the top that's pretty cool. And then they took us into the uh, the trapeze hall and gave us Greek coffee. Have you ever had Greek coffee? I have not. It was I loved it. I, it, it. Amy didn't like it at all, and she's like, she drinks coffee all the time. I don't drink as much coffee as she does. She loved she she despised it, and I loved it. Um, it's interesting the way that it's brewed. The grounds are like are are are, are served with it. So the bottom like like half inch or something of this was just solid grounds. They, it's hmm. like served in and it all settles to the bottom. It's very, very rich, very acidic. It was fantastic coffee. Um, so there's Buck in front of the Theotokos. Buck, Jesus. you're going thin. Oh, yeah. I, I guess this was not his most uh, uh, flattering end, I guess. Yeah. Fortunately, the other ends are very flattering. Indeed. And then we went into the uh, – these are some of the coolest icons I've ever seen. It, the pictures don't do it justice. This is all uh, painted like bright gold. They almost glow. It's just like, it looks like they're singing to your eyes. Uh, these are all hand-painted in Greece. The pictures, it really is a shame how much the pictures just don't do it justice. I guess you guys are going to have to go to the uh, the Orthodox Monastery in Candelia, Texas, so you can see it yourself. Uh, but they uh, they just, the, it's some of the most beautiful icons I've ever seen. 
then <clears throat> I guess for those of you who are uh, listening on the podcast, this probably isn't the most gripping um, uh, bit of podcasting, but you, you should go, you can look on Facebook. There's a Kingfeld page on Facebook where we're streaming live to right now. There's, we're streaming on Twitter and then we're also streaming on YouTube. So you can come check these out if you want to see this stuff for yourselves. So there's all the icons, their whole icon wall. And then they took us down to the winery. They have a, a, a winery down there where they, they've got these, these three big vats at the end where, everything, where, the, where it ferments, um, each one of them 700 gallons. And then they uh, put them into these, these, I think it's like a French oak barrel or something like that. And they keep them there for two years. They age them for two years in there. And then each barrel fills uh, 300 bottles. So they've got some kind of connection. It was kind of hard to hear them in there, but they've got some kind of connection with Napa Valley where the the wine that they're serving here is from Napa Valley grapes. It's apparently like real, it's like world-class, world-famous wine. So the monk was describing how it's been a little, kind of a little uncomfortable because as monks, they're not really supposed to be celebrities. But because of the winery, there's people all over Napa Valley who know about them and they, they have a benefactor, some billionaire winemaker, uh, who's a benefactor of theirs there that, who brought all the grapes over and stuff. And so they have people that show up at the monastery just to come for the wine. And so the monks have kind of become mini celebrities. So he was, he was kind of laughing about how that, uh, um, it's kind of an awkward, awkward thing for them. Um, so we got to do a little wine tasting and it was, I'm not really a wine guy, but I really liked all three of them that we tasted. So there's some more of the barrels. And then this was one of the coolest parts of the day. We got to meet uh, Metropolitan Isaiah of Denver. And this guy was a Korean War vet. He's got to be, I don't know, like 90. He was ordained as a deacon and tonsured as a monk in 1962. <laughs> so six years before my dad was born, he was a, uh, uh, he became a monk. Uh, so he was, he was just the most charming old fella. He came over and gave us some fudge. He had like some fudge and a thing and he passed it around. He said, each one of you only take one. You can't have more, just one. Um, very, very good fudge. So then Eastwood was just running around in there making a, uh, hooting and racket. And he was pretending to be a, a, a vacuum truck. So he drives around sucking up all the dirt. And so he was telling Metropolitan Isaiah all about how he cleans up all the dirt and he's a very good vacuum truck and everything. And, and, uh, uh, Metropolitan, his eminence seemed to, to seem to really appreciate him. So, uh, yeah, so that was that Eastwood's, was uh, <clears throat> Eastwood's giving me Ron Sedantist vibes with the boots on <laughs> with his boots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah fortunately, they're not like glowing white. <laughs> yeah, going to clean up a hurricane. <laughs> yeah, he's a street sweeper. Yeah, a vacuum oh, truck. Yeah. And then we drove home driving home for an hour in like driving rain. And I don't think three seconds went by where Eastwood wasn't making noise, just singing and squealing and asking us questions and playing the drums on his, on his uh, book and uh, the, the joys of being the parent of a three-year-old. And then here we, we had to take a picture with the, uh, with the three guys. It was really good to see Tommy and Buck. Anyways, so... I thought you guys would enjoy that. That was a, a fun day. Very glad we got to go up there. And we're looking forward. To, he said that normally they have about 100 people who attend there. for they do, they do liturgies every single day at 7.30 every single morning. And then on Sundays, they have about 100 people who attend there. And he said for the last feast, they had 800 people there. 
I don't like you saw how big that that temple is. Like you probably wouldn't be able to fit more than I don't know, maybe 150 people if you were really packed in there. They had 800 people there. That's incredible. Anywho, so let me close that out. Let me quit Discord because it's going to drive me crazy if if uh, I don't. Welcome, Well Emanuel. has been a member for a month now. He says, Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. It's good to see you. So as to the title today, so Claudine Gay just, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's ever been named more perfectly. Claudine Gay is the uh, the the president of Harvard and was was the president of Harvard. Yes, she I don't know if you guys have you been under a rock and you don't know the details of the story. Just essentially she she was uh, it, some stories came out. We'll get into that here in a minute. But some stories came out about how uh, she was guilty of egregious plagiarism and. Of course, the typical media thing, you've got a, a gay black woman named Gay who is in, uh, who's the, the, the president of Harvard. And so they have to circle the wagons around their DEI candidate and um, there's the whole, the whole hullabaloo about it. So she resigned today. And of course, immediately, as is typically happens among the dissident right wing whatever circles on Twitter, conservative, Christian nationalist, whatever you want to call them. Everyone immediately begins arguing about whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. Is this a win or is this not a win? Is this actually a loss? Because the guy who is replacing her is, I think I, yeah, I got the picture here. This is her replacement. Harvard president Claudine Gay is succeeded by interim president Alan Garber. Garber is a Jewish critic of Harvard's weak stance on anti-Semitism and supporter of DEI initiatives. Hmm. So, of course, the uh, uh, there's a there's a split now amongst our uh, our our dear friends on right wing Twitter, who are trying to decide whether they think this is a good thing or a bad thing. Cooper, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing, and why? Mm, I haven't looked too much into it, but. So I don't really have an opinion. Um, however, um, it's always fun, I guess, watching watching the libs fight each other, and also mm -hmm. fun watching the uh, the right wing guys fight each other about the left wing people fighting each other. So <laughs> <Right. laughs> there's been a lot of screeching going on, and it's fun to watch or just to tune into briefly, and then and then tune out. I don't yeah, really have much right. of an opinion. Um, I can anticipate what, without again, without having looked super far into it. Um, I I think I could actually play devil's advocate for both positions. Okay, I err on the side of it's a good thing because I saying it's a bad thing is kind of black pilled and. That's that's the argument, right? That right. it's not a good thing because now there's a Kazarian in charge, and you know, I think uh, people. I can't. saw one person who said that the the only way this is this could be a good thing is if you get a um, I don't remember who said this, but they said the only way this would be a good thing is if you had a right wing 
some like strong right wing person became the new president of Harvard, and anything short of that is not a win. <sighs> Wait for Daddy to come home. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need some. We need some guy to come save us. I think. So I think I think first of all, the not really having an opinion is probably the best posture to have, honestly. Like prior to this, did you care who the president of Harvard was? No. Did you even know who the president of Harvard was? No. Does it matter who the president of Harvard is? No. No. It just it doesn't. It I like Harvard is Harvard. It it just it I'm just not is surprised it is. at all by having over the last like eight hours discovered who the president of Harvard was and now is. I was not surprised in either case. Right. Yeah. That's know, exactly like, who I thought would be the president of Harvard. Right. It's either someone from the tribe or a pet of someone from the tribe. Like, it's, right. It, right. Yeah. To me, I don't, I think, I think it's a good thing to the extent that it has, um, they have egg on their face to their own compatriots in the, in the mainstream to the people that they want to, to preach to this whole thing is a, is a, is a, is a besmirching. It's a besmirching of their honor. It tarnishes the credibility of Harvard. The problem is the credibility of Harvard only matters to people for whom Harvard matters. Harvard doesn't matter to me. I have it. Right. It's, it's like a, it's, it's taken for granted that it's a, it's a completely captured, I mean, it's not even a captured asset of the regime. It's like the seat of power of the regime. It's it's it could there there could be no greater uh, uh, instantiation of the regime than Harvard. So, to the extent that it makes them look incompetent and has them scrambling, and they've got to try to, you know, they're one of their little pet projects got got uh, kind of blew up in their face. Cool, great. I think that's I, I love to see it. Now I can hear the people saying, no, it didn't blow up in their face. Actually, this is 40 chess. This is the thing they wanted all along because now I don't even know if this is true. This is literally the level to which I care about this. I didn't even bother going to find the tweet and going to substantiate and see if it's all true. I'm just going to pass it on, take it for what it is. Someone pointed out that all of the Ivy uh, universities, apparently they all have uh, Kazarian presidents and Harvard was the the one outstanding. I think Columbia. Is the last one. Okay. So basically the majority of them have Kazarian presidents. Okay. So they own their own institutions. I don't care. Like it's already a given that the regime is owned and operated and controlled. That is a problem. So like, yes, that's a problem. We can agree. That's a problem. Does it matter whether them or one of their pets has the 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 actual um seat of honor so to speak it doesn't matter to me if anything if nothing or rather if nothing else you should be happy about this you should mm-hmm. be happy about this because you know i i did see one person who is complaining that like well see now that the the one like uh whatever her name was claudine gay Apparently she was like a pro-Palestine person. So she, Mm -hmm. because she was pro-Palestine and not like a full-fledged Zionist that did allow a little bit of space at Harvard to talk about, you know, various questions, certain Mm -hmm. questions or a certain question. Ah. 
a particular cue you're saying yes a particular cue and that now that she is gone there will be no more talking about that cue however I i don't think i would be worried about that because the fact that now her spot is being taken by one of the cues (laughs) Um, doesn't that kind of like more publicly broadcast that, Hey, if anybody did have questions about this whole Q thing, uh, this is another data point. Right. Right. It's, I mean, it's not like that's going to make a difference because I mean, you can already go and look at like all of the people that occupy the, uh, 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 what do you call it? The, the presidential cabinet. You can go look at that. There's all the nice little graphics that have the flags next to the names. You know, you can see that nobody cares. You can go run down the roster of all of the major film companies and all the production companies. You can go look at all of their, put the little flags next to their names, and you can see that. It exists out there. Nobody cares. You can look. So pretty soon you're going to be able to put up, make a roster of the presidents of all of the Ivies and put a little flag next to them and show it, and nobody cares. Because ultimately this, is, this matter is a matter for the elites. The elites live a completely different life than the rest of us peasants. This is the elites squabbling yes, amongst each other. Our problem should be that we don't have elites who have a dog in the fight. The, the, even the premise of having a right-wing leader at the top of Harvard is 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 laughable, as it should be. Like that's just it, Harvard as an institution doesn't doesn't and cannot and will not ever stand for anything right wing. As Moldbug said, the goal should be tanks in Harvard's yard. Rather than having a right wing leader of or a president of Harvard, if you actually had the capacity to put a right wing person at the as the head of Harvard, what that person should be doing is raising Harvard to the ground. Yeah, burning Just, the place. Just just mow it down. Salt we don't earth. need it. Yes. Salt the earth on top of it and build a temple. It's If you're trying to, to cling to this idea that we need to capture the existing institutions and try to somehow turn them back or pivot them into some other sort of structure or what, no. No, this, let them run their course. Let them burn themselves to the ground. There's multiple different ways that this could burn itself to the ground. On one, from one perspective, uh, this this lead like as, as this tweet here on the screen says, uh, Midwest Midwit. Let me make sure I'm following this guy because that's a good name. He says, believe it or not, this is actually very good for our team. Harvard is a rotten institution, and this further brings about its delegitimization. Now you will see pro-Hamas students scream Zionism, while the blacks scream white supremacy. It's a no-win for Harvard. Yeah, right. Exactly. He says what Harvard needed in this situation was a milk toast POC, possibly a West Indian, to do damage control. Putting a Jewish male in was about the worst thing you could do under these circumstances with global opinion running against Israel right now. And uh, shout out uh, Ghost of James Burnham, another good guy out there. He says, you just stand back and let your enemies fight. And he said, to heed the words of Napoleon, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. I think a, a corollary to this needs to be for those who are are like-minded with us stop looking for the defeat in every single thing that happens stop searching for the thing that is a black pill in each of these situations th- this this can be a black pill 
and it can be a white pill, and it can be just a clear pill. It can be whatever pill you want it to be. It's in the, 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 the eye of the beholder. If you think that this is a good thing, great, there you go. You've got reason for hope and optimism. Your reason for hope and optimism shouldn't be attached to the whoever's running Harvard. But if you see this as a, as a, as a scalp that, that Chris Rufo has taken, and we'll talk a little bit about Chris Rufo here in just a second. If you think that this is a scalp that he's taken and that this is a, you know, this is a, a, a sign of the, uh, you know, the, the rights advance of the culture war or what have you. Great. Cool. Uh, you know, relish in your victory and, and let this motivate you to continue getting more victories. Cause I want to see you guys get more victories. If you think that this is cause for doom and despair and, oh, this is just, you know, the, 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 the masters of their craft who are, are, you know, the, the, the lords of our universe who just cannot be defeated because they've been going for, uh, for centuries or millennia and they've perfected the art of subverting societies and there's nothing we could possibly do in the face of their almighty, you know, uh, might and greatness. Keep it That's called idolatry. Yes. And it's yes. kind of gross. Yeah. It's very gay. <laughs> like, you don't need to actively look for the pessimistic news in each... Poss- and every single possible story that comes out. Is is this going to mean that Harvard is magically transformed and we're now like right on the horizon is the, the ushering in of the great Christian nationalist utopia? Of course not. But that doesn't mean that this is, oh, it's a bad thing. This is doom. Oh, it's going to get worse. They planned this. 40 chess. They're working one over on us again. Look at that. You're just falling right into it. First of all, you shouldn't be that invested in it to begin with. Yep. Again, unless you're actually one of the elites, unless you can traffic in the elites' circles and you can actually influence these things, then your concern beyond a passing interest as if you – like, view these events as if, as if you're reading about them in a history book. You don't, you don't read a history book and, like, root for one of the sides. I mean, maybe you kind of can, but, like, you, you, you kind of realize what you're doing. The history has already happened. There's no reason to root for one side or the other. You just kind of, you know, impartially just read about it. That's how you should view this sort of thing. Just, oh yeah, that, that's the thing that happened. Ha, you know, there's probably some people who are really worked up about that. It probably sucks for, it sucks for her to have to resign. She's going to be fine. She's going to be able to, to, to traffic herself around as, as, you know, some great victim of Chris Rufo. And this is the, the, the evidence of how the right wing is, is is taking over America and we all you know you, you the headlines write themselves. You don't have to get wrapped around the axle about them. You should be focused on making yourself someone who could actually go do something about that. Make yourself someone who could go buy Twitter. Make yourself someone who could actually be a candidate for for the the presidency of Harvard. Someone who could who could raise Harvard to the ground. Or if that's too lofty of a goal for you, Make yourself someone who could support someone who can do that. Start in your own in your, in your own circle. Your, your town probably has some variant of Harvard. Make that you your could damn go... bed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of, uh, well, let's let's take a quick little <laughs> let's take a quick little uh, uh, side quest here. Because something really funny happened on Twitter just a little bit ago. <laughs> so 
Um, first of all, let's uh, let's show you this picture here. You guys can uh, can take from it what you want. This happened several years ago before Jordan Peterson's uh, infamous uh, uh, incident. Uh, so this here is a picture that went around for a while. And uh, I'm sure that Jordan Peterson's not super happy to that that, that picture exists out there. So then, uh, let me just so you guys oh. who, who are listening. It's a picture I recently of, of saw a Michaela thumbnail. Peterson and uh, 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 Andrew Tate. I recently did see a thumbnail to a conversation between Jordan Peterson and his daughter about this, and I didn't watch it because the the very premise <laughs> made me uncomfortable, and I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm sure it's really awkward and cringe. Yeah, Cooper Cooper has a a very uh, low threshold for consuming content that is cringe. Yeah, which is part of the reason why he doesn't spend much time on Twitter. <laughs> I, it's hard. Oh, okay, another side quest. Speaking of cringe content, oh my god, I have I told you guys how much I cannot stand Facebook. Facebook is just the death of me. I, every time I try to navigate around or do anything on the platform, it's so poorly laid out. It's so slow. It's so messy. It's just the algorithm sucks. Like the algorithm is like, Hey, you looked at this person's pictures. Now you only want to see this things. This person posts. Look, no, no, maybe like I want to, I want to look at the pictures this person posted and then maybe look at the pictures this person posted. And then that like, I'm friends with all of them for a reason. I don't want a timeline that's entirely just posts from one person. Why would I possibly want that? This is my old man yells at cloud moment. So we've been posting our, our, our good little, uh, uh, our, our slave Xavier has been dutifully posting, uh, cutting up our episodes and posting them as shorts on YouTube, posting them on TikTok, and posting them on, on Facebook. And there's, no rhyme or reason whatsoever to which clips get traction and which ones don't. We'll have a dozen clips in a row that won't get more than five views like for weeks. And then one random one that'll get like five or 10,000 views. And it just, it just goes all over, all over whatever platform. And just because it gets a ton of views on one platform doesn't mean it will on another platform. It'll get, it'll have 12 on another platform. <laughs> so, one of the clips that we posted recently, that Xavier posted recently, got it, it found its way into the boomerish corners, the <laughs> boomerist corners of Facebook, and there are now comments of people arguing about the Fourteenth Amendment on the video. And I'm like this close to just deleting the Facebook, <laughs> deleting all presence on Facebook altogether. I'm sorry. If you are trying to comment and interact with our stuff on Facebook, there's probably a good chance that we're just not going to see it because I don't want to go read a bunch of boomer screeds about the 14th Amendment. It just, you know, that's that's my threshold for cringe. <laughs> so please go like our page on Facebook and share it. <laughs> so if you're in the mood, attention to you. Yeah, if you're in the mood for like some daily cringe, go check it out. Go read through the comments on the shorts. Yeah, go anyway. find the one. You'll you'll know it. It's going to be the one that has vastly more interactions than all the other ones. <laughs> um, Manuel says if the shorts are posted all at the same time, some may be lost in the feed. Better upload only one or two at a time. Yeah, we've kind of played around with with uploading different uh, numbers of them at a time, and 
doesn't really seem it just there's just kind of no rhyme or reason to which ones hit and which ones don't anyway back to Michaela so, Peterson and Andrew yes. Tate back to Michaela Peterson and Andrew Tate we'll finish this side quest so we can finish this side quest so we can get back to the main quest so Andrew Tate says imagine being Ben or Jordan and not even saying sorry for encouraging the murder of fucking children clowns I assume this has something to do with Ben Shapiro and 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 Jordan Peterson you know advocating uh that the the Jews do whatever's necessary to defend their borders and protect their people um something that they strangely will not advocate for any other nation um and so Michaela Peterson replies and just says some stuff that's stupid and <laughs> and Andrew Tate quote tweeted it just the perfect response oh hey how you been <laughs> When we when I, I showed this to Cooper, go ahead. I've never liked Andrew Tate. He's always struck me as a total scumbag. This tweet kind of won me over. I kind of yeah. like him now. Yeah. <laughs> We're easy to win over. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Get a good zinger in and, and you'll get us. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't care what else you believe. You make me laugh. Like, all right, I like you. Uh-huh. We have no principles. Just make us laugh. That's right. <laughs> um okay let me see what were the other things here i was i wanted to to talk about okay so <clears throat> our good friend aristophanes who um i don't know if i've ever seen aristophanes miss it like i think i think he just seems to get it every single time like land shark um, he had what's that i said like land shark just always hits oh yeah 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 land shark is the best poster and my new follower on Twitter. I'm very proud of this. Mr. Pericles Abbasi himself. Perry, the the uh probably the funniest man on Twitter. <laughs> we were we were reading his go go read the the Wikipedia for Pericles Abbasi. Abbasi is spelled A B B A S I. I hope it hasn't been edited since last night because Cooper and I were in tears last night reading through his Wikipedia. The guy is a living meme. It's incredible the way that he's like, he's, he's just always in character. And he even is, is he's like getting involved in local elections and doing interviews with the media and stuff still in character. And like, they don't know that he's in character. It's just brilliant. And he's like ruining his professional life in the process of maintaining this character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has like the NAACP campaigning to get him thrown out of elections because he's making 1350 jokes on Twitter. Uh, and he's this really dorky, goofy looking Greek guy. It's 1329, Matt. Oh yeah. 1329. That's right. Probably saying the other one, just saying it once probably gets the video flagged. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, no, no, it's not true. It's thirteen twenty nine. That's what that that's what that news article told me. It very it was very careful, very uh, 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 intentional about telling me no, 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 no. That that is a myth. It's not fifty percent. It's actually twenty nine percent. Much oh, better. Oh, okay, that's much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only twenty nine percent. Anyway, so Aristophanes says says the NAACP is already picketing over Gay's resignation. And the progs will keep picketing for Palestine with an even more conflicted president since he's Jewish. Get the popcorn and watch, I guess. This is this is the right perspective. Just get the popcorn and watch. 
Unless you're someone who can do something about it, just get the popcorn and watch. It's going to be fun. Um, so I wanted to contrast something here. There is this uh, uh, Chris Rufo guy who I'm not invested in. I don't like when he does stuff that I like, then cool. Good for him. Glad he did something that I like. Uh, when he doesn't, then okay. All right. Sounds good. Like, you know, I've apparently uh, a random username says uh, that, uh, that he's a Zionist. He's a Ben Shapiro right wing. Okay. Wh- whatever. I don't care. I, when he, when he does, when he sends Harvard into a tizzy with like this intentional focused media work, then I will applaud it. I don't care who his other friends are. In this particular one, he has actually been uh, intentionally going about this. And I want to I want to present this as the type of thing that if you're serious about trying to undermine the credibility of the uh, of these different institutions, if that's something that you value, if you want to actually go to war with them, do it the way that Chris Rufo does. Take notes from him. You can have your qualms about him think he's gay or whatever probably is i don't care he knows what he's doing he's very effective at actually taking control of media narratives and seeding them and forcing them down the throats of the regime which should actually be really easy if these journalists are are functionally just like transcription machines then it should be really easy to get them to write what you want them to write make them shoot themselves in the foot in order to do that, you have to actually not be so completely blackpilled that you've made yourself impotent. You have to actually have hope and optimism and something to work and strive for. But these people are effectively, they're, they're drones. They're NPCs. This is the whole complaint about them, that these aren't serious people. Okay, then make them work for you. In this particular case, he did this intentionally. He says... We launched the Claudine Gay plagiarism story from the right. The next step is to smuggle it into the media apparatus of the left, legitimizing the narrative to center-left actors who have the power to topple her, then squeeze. I like this sort of thing. I like this realpolitik, like, uh, 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 subversive, uh, focused political action from the right. You have to understand the weakness that the right is operating from and and then recognize... You're not going to be able to take the exact same tax as as the left does with the way that they they manipulate narratives, but you can do it in your own way. You can force this narrative down their throat and put them in a position they don't want to be in. I guarantee you, as much as you want to 40 chest this and say, oh, the tribe had this planned all along, I guarantee you they're not happy about all this. This hasn't been a comfortable, happy process for them. They have donors and big money people that they answer to who don't want to see Harvard be delegitimized. They're still bought into the whole naive boomer vision, and they don't want to see their money go toward having someone be a, a, a like a, a transparent diversity hire who's completely incompetent and makes them look bad. This is making them squirm. You've, you've got to be mad if you think that's not the case. That the Harvard board... Their donors, all the the people who have Harvard after their name, nobody wants to see if they 
Harvard is like their biggest accomplishment in their life. Nobody wants to see Harvard looking like an incompetent bunch of retards. <laughs> Every single person who has Harvard after their name is unhappy about this happening this way. Good. Those are the people who need to be uncomfortable. Make them uncomfortable. I don't care what the actual specific reaction or specific consequence of all of this is. Make them uncomfortable. Make them uncomfortable and force them to react to you. That's how you begin taking control of things. It it's going to take a long, focused bunch of work across a whole bunch of domains for a very long time. But don't, like, if you're going to get them fighting each other, then don't sit around fighting each other about them fighting each other. Just be willing to work together with people who are broadly pointed in the same direction as you instead of purity spiraling over it. So what if he's a Zionist? He's making those people, he's, he's pissing in their Cheerios. And I want to see these people have their Cheerios get pissed in. Because they've made an entire lifestyle of pissing in ours. And maybe it's just the simple desire to see them uncomfortable. Maybe that's good enough. I think this is I think this is more than that. I think it's better than that. This is not the same direction. He's purifying the DEI woke, not weakening it. Purifying it is weakening it, unless you think it's true. If you think it's true, then purifying it is strengthening it. If it's not true, then purifying it is weakening it. You're not gonna you're not gonna eradicate it by force. You're gonna force it into extinguishing itself. That's actually an interesting interesting tie into the story here. Because we talked about a, a couple weeks ago, um, I uh, I shared a, an article about uh, all the DEI stuff getting defunded from these major corporations. They're defunding their DEI initiatives and not putting all the money toward it that they were planning on and everything. And we talked about AI and how all that stuff's going to get automated. This is, you, you have to take this for granted. You can't think that there's like got to be some kind of win where we unwind all of this stuff. Everything's going to continue progressing as it does. We don't want the stagnation. We want it to continue moving forward. Let the society exercise its demons. The way it does that is by giving them the rope that they hang themselves with. Push them toward the edge. Make them intensify. Make them double down. Make them become more and more transparent about their intentions. Let them hang themselves. This is formalism. Formalize the actual power structure. Make it reveal itself for what it is. And that's what Rufo is very good at. Well, and that's exactly what happened with the... Uh... Mr. Goldberg or whatever his name was taken over as president. Mm -hmm. That's that's what's happening. Yeah. Now it's now it's clear who's in power. Mm -hmm. And as Aristophanes says, now you get to watch them. It, it, it pits the factions of the left against each other. Now they've they've got to fight it out. What you can't have is you can't be attached to the institutions they're fighting over. 
Furthermore, now they have to fight it out, and we already know who's going to win that fight, and that's just going to further, re- you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like reify it? Yeah, it's. <sighs> we know who's going to win. It's going to be uh, the Qs, mm-hmm. and that's going to just yeah, it's going to formalize it even more. I hate having to talk around these things. It's so gay. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's why you should join the, uh, the, the King pilled supporting listeners group because there there's much less, uh, uh, restriction on the types of things you can talk about and how blatantly you can talk about them. So, um, now don't do it. Don't come in there. If you're going to come in because you want to, you, you just want someone else to cry with you about, all the bad things that are happening. If you're going to spread nihilism and black pills. Yeah. If you don't get a black pill, we'll after we call you gay a bunch of times. Right. Yeah. And we'll keep your money. (laughs) No refund. Yeah. Yeah. No, no refunds for black pilling. Cause this is, that's, this is the flip side of it. So on one hand, there's the discredit them, throw their institutions into chaos, get them to fight each other, get them to eat each other, provoke them into self-destructing. But that's not enough. Because I think part of the problem here, I'm reminded constantly of the conversation that Milo Yiannopoulos had with Jordan Peterson like six years ago, seven years ago, maybe. I was living in California at the time. So yeah, probably about six years ago. I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about, think about you know a year or two into the Trump experience. By that, it's probably two, two years into the Trump experience. Like Russiagate was maybe just getting started and uh, pre-COVID, uh, still when the whole like SJW thing was kind of a thing, and you were going around to, to, to college campuses, and I think this was before even Jordan Peterson, or it was right around the time Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin were going around together. This is how long ago this was. And Milo told Jordan on his own show, he said, the difference between you and me is that you want to preserve these institutions because you want a position of status within them. I want to burn them to the ground. And Jordan kind of, well, there's prestige and years have been around there and it's all this great stuff, great people that came and research and yeah. Blah, blah. But I'm reminded of that here in this particular case. It seems like there's people who are somehow, they, they're attached to these institutions. Like they want to, deep down, it's like they, they, they're visualizing some sort of future where they're somehow reformed or like society gets better because we get the right people into those positions or, or something like that. And I think that's just completely the wrong way to think about it. Burn it, burn it. And then build. We need the people who are going to burn the existing institutions. That's my generation. Induce them into burning themselves. And then we need the people who are going to build the other institutions. There's a whole new domain. Mm-hmm. You could think of it as like a whole new world, the digital landscape, where the possibility of building institutions takes on a whole new meaning. You're not bound by the same laws of time and space. You can build institutions that violate the laws of time and space. And you can accumulate significantly disproportionate power relative to your numbers if you're intentional, if you do it the right way. And I don't necessarily know what what the right way is. 
I think oh, this is part of the problem is nobody does. We've got everybody so focused on the dog and pony show and just kind of sort of passively resigned and accepting things are just sort of progressing towards some sort of an inevitable end and it's the end of time and you know whatever when there's this fantastic opportunity to begin building new institutions like imagine when the people from the old world begin coming to the new world they encounter this gigantic landmass they didn't know what it was they didn't know what was here they just had to start carving across the frontier trying to 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 carve out a life in this new hostile landscape they didn't know you know what the rules for functioning here were there was no uh it was it was a, a kind of a wild frontier hostile people lots of danger natural danger unnatural danger that's what's in front of us now with this digital world that's forming social media has existed for like 15 years and it's more like distilled sense like 10 years we're just barely scratching the surface of what the internet is going to mean for how human beings organize themselves so far what we've seen is how the internet is going to be used to drive people apart but the next thing that's going to come is how the internet is going to bring people together because the internet social media broadly speaking which has become kind of a buzzword to where it almost doesn't like social media mediums for socialness that's what social media is socializing yeah a medium for socializing there's now new ways that we can socialize in like that have never been available to human beings in the past that completely violate the laws of time and space there's little gremlins traveling through the air between me and Cooper, allowing us to interact in real time with each other, and then to stream on a slight latency out all over the internet, all over the world. I guess not technically all over the internet, but you know what I mean? Anybody can At come. Light speed in real time. Right. Matt and I can have a conversation face to face. And I'm in Michigan. He's in Texas. And you guys who are all over the place can sit here and talk to us. You can type and talk to us directly and we can respond to you in real time. This is a community right here. We've created a community. In this community, we can have conversations. And the conversation isn't just us talking to you. It's you guys talking to us. Us going back and forth. We can update the show uh, topic in real time based on what you guys say to us. It's a, a new evolution of social organization. And it's still very much in its infancy. It's still rough. There's, there's, there's kinks to it and it's not smooth. There's, you know, there's, there's stuff we've got to work out still. But we're just barely scratching the surface of how human beings are going to organize themselves. This is part of the reason why I don't, I have a hard time thinking of myself as a nationalist because I think that national borders are going to become a thing of the past just out of sheer necessity. 
you know, like in the in the Bible, when when Jesus says to go in, uh, into all nations, baptizing, nation then meant something different than nation meant 50 years ago. And nation now means something different than it did even 10 years ago. Increasingly in the future, nation is going to mean something totally different. The way people think of themselves with respect to the land and with respect to their neighbors, the way that we're able to collectivize decision-making across time and space, it's going to change. We're going to change it. This is the natural progression of human societies. And I guess it's, it's frustrating to me to have so many people who are they're, they're, they're somewhere between stuck in the past and stuck in the now. I don't know which one it is. Maybe it's both. When there's so much opportunity in the future, we have the capacity through the internet, if we play our cards right, if we're intentional about it, if we cooperate together, we have the capacity to, to build things that completely dwarf Harvard in terms of scale, Capacity for revenue generation, influence. This is subliminal messaging. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Just so you know, it's it is absolutely downpouring outside right now, and there is thunder and lightning going. So if everything drops off all of a sudden, then you know, our house got struck by lightning or something. Um. <clears throat> what's we'll uh, what are we saying here in the chat? We'll be in a tough spot if I'm. If I have to hold up the, the yeah. stream by myself. She says, they were outright fighting and fractionalizing with her as a fulcrum. Now that she's gone, everyone will fall back in line. Th that's fine. Like, I don't, like, I don't, my, having them, whether they're fighting each other or completely transparently consolidating into a very clear force, it has the same outcome for us. We can capitalize on it either way. What, what's different about this compared to various other past events is that this is the regime reacting to people who are going to war with the regime. The regime is in a reactive position, which is exactly where we want it. Now, part of the cost of it being in a reactive position is that it's going to get more and more reactive and it's going to start lashing out. It's a dying animal. The worst type of tyranny is, in, is, is unstable tyranny. But this is the price we have to pay. This regime is going to collapse. Every regime has collapsed. But that doesn't mean that it's going to like, it's not like, like you're going the along world isn't going to end and it collapses. And then another regime, like it's like it collapses and then it flatlines and then another regime is born. No, the other regime exists already. And yeah, the, the world's not going to end. Maybe it will. It, the world at, at any point over the last 2000 years, you could have said, oh, this is the thing that's going to cause the world to end. And you might have been right. In a sense, you probably were right. Because the world as you knew it did end. When Rome fell, the world ended. 
as the Romans had known it. And a new world was born. And time continued. Human experience continued. <laughs> Column Rock says, when Rome collapsed, there were many areas where nothing changed for day-to-day -day life. Right. Right, exactly. And when this regime collapses, for many people, nothing will change. In fact, that would be the ideal. It would be ideal if, the, if nothing changed. The regime yeah. collapsed and a new one stepped into place and people continue with their lives as normal. If you could position yourself such that it didn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It's like, okay, tell me where I'm selling. Just, just give me the address I send my taxes to. Right. I don't care who's on the other end of that. Right. Here's your money. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. If they agree with me, if they share the same values as I do, that's better. I would like that better. But it's not going to make a difference to me in the way that I lead my life. I'm going to make babies. I'm going to strive toward creating an inheritance for my babies. I'm going to build communities with people that I care about and try to provide for my, for my people and try to find more of my people to come together and provide for each other. And the great thing, what we're saying here is that we have that capacity now on a scale unfathomable to previous humans. We don't have to go carve our way across a hostile frontier to try to find some safe place. It'd be kind of cool if we did. It'd, it'd definitely make us a lot manlier. You wouldn't have people crying about pinup calendars if you were uh -huh. actually fighting your way across a frontier. Uh huh. <laughs> or like spatting with some bimbo on Twitter because she's wearing a shirt that's too tight. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to contrast. Yeah, yeah. So the Chris Rufo approach, this is actually effectual in changing things in a way that we can take advantage of. Picking fights with bimbos on Twitter about them sexualizing themselves or whatever, as if like, oh, there's women on social media and they're sexualizing themselves. Can you believe it? Have you met women? It's Isn't what they do. Especially, especially, especially the bimbo, bimbo variety. Right. Yeah. Yeah, of course she's of course she's making videos of her making cake with her her boobs all pressed up in your face. She's got big tits. Right. Yeah. She's advertising. Yeah. Do I want my daughter posting videos of herself doing that? No. That's why my daughter's not going to be doing that. If you have a daughter, you should say, "See this? Don't do that." But getting in protracted days long yeah, guys, we're going on like a week fights. now. This is freaking preposterous. And we talked about this before. And some people reached out to Cooper and told him, wow, this is a really great, really great point. I really appreciate what you said. That was fantastic. And other people apparently didn't get the point. My, they my thought point that about it was the like calendar? A, right, yeah. Okay. Like they th Apparently they thought that it was like, this is a question of like, oh, is it morally right or wrong? What we were saying yeah. is talk about like missing the point while illustrating the point. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Go, go, go on. 
You were you were telling me about this earlier. See if you can uh, you can recapture the magic. <laughs> I'm tr- let's see if I can. I was trying to like. Oh, there was there was a number of comments on our last stream that were something like responding to my take regarding the like the pinup calendar thing. Said like completely ignoring the fact that I said up front like yeah it's gay it's cringe. It's immoral, blah, 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 blah. I was making the point that, like, people who moralize and pro-clutch about this shit are not the kind of people I like hanging out with. That was the point that I was making. They're not fun people to hang out with. But I had people in the chat like, I think it's morally reprehensible. Degeneracy. Degeneracy. It's like, oh, so you're saying that the conservatives you want to hang out with are the degenerate ones? And I'm like, "You're, you're just illustrating. Like, you are... Thank you for outing yourself as the person I don't want to hang out with. You're right. not a fun person. <laughs> this sort of like Wilsonian universal tyranny kind of mindset where you're going to like crawl into every crevice and nook and cranny of my life and try to make sure everything lines up with this list of like moral edicts that you you happen to subscribe to at that point in time. Like, get away. I like tyranny, broadly speaking, at least in the classical sense. That's not my brand of tyrant. You're a school marm. You're a bitch. Leave me alone. <laughs> you're, you're actually, like, go ahead. Actually, everybody who disagreed with me in the last stream, that's fine. Except for Brody. See, he did it the right way. Brody disagreed with me, but Brody's cool because he wasn't gay about it. But everyone who wants to be gay about it, go ahead and comment in this uh, on this stream so I know to block you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just preemptively you're like, you're like the uh, uh what's his name uh dwight from the office when angela walks up and he's like she like walks up he's like oh uh, fuck he's like they give you the ick like Ugh, just Ugh. i don't want to be around you I, I think that's a that that description like the Wil- wilsonian universalist like we need to pry into every last corner of your life and 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 just determine whether or not you're behaving morally, and then we're going to have a conversation with you, and we'll make sure you hear our opinion about yeah, the social how moral gospel. or not it is. It, it just, ah, uh, it's it. There's nothing productive that can ever possibly come from that. And if you know, you, what? I'll if, just say, I'll just come out and say it right now. I don't really give a shit about pinup calendars, whatever. Right. I don't really it's, care. I don't need to like crusade with you guys on Twitter about whatever every three days. I just don't care. I just don't <laughs> want to hang out with you. That's it. I don't need to like stake out a moral position on everything. <laughs> Josh Ham says, wait, conservatives being retarded and choosing stupid battles? Say it ain't so. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Once dude. upon a time, this was a this was a podcast where we shit on libertarians, and now it's apparently going to be a podcast where we shit on conservatives. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> the what's up, Brody? Your dad's in the chat now, Cooper. Hey, what's up, Dad? Uh, this is I, oh, this is a really good point. Joshua Ham says I would much rather hang out with slightly degenerate people who enjoy boobies than puritanical types. I don't trust people with no vices; they're often hiding something way worse. That's true. That's really true. But that's not even the point that I was making. Like, the point I was initially making is that this whole argument in the last stream, the whole argument was illustrating a sort of class divide between conservatives, right? Mm -hmm. And then people spurging out about what I've said 
is just illustrating that sort of class divide. Yes, I come from white trash. That is my family. That is my background. Trailer trash. That's it. Sorry, those are my people. Yeah, they're a little rough around the edges. I like them better than you. You know? Mm-hmm. The person who's going to finger wag at me? Fuck off. It's a, it's, that class divide, I think, is actually probably part of the reason why right-wing people tend to spend so much time just bickering with each other and purity spiraling. spiraling. Because you have the people who are like, they're like the intellectual conservatives. They're probably uh-huh. more coastal or more urban. And yep. they're like, they're they're conservative because they can give you a list of reasons. All the the they can cite all their sources and all the books they've read about why they're conservative and why they consciously decided to be conservative. And then you have the people who are just country people. This is just the world that they live in. This is how they've grown up. This is how their parents were. How their grandparents were. They didn't they didn't like go to school to learn how to be a conservative. They just naturally are that way. Yeah, because you know they want like money to buy their kids presents and, you know, to buy their, their kid, his first truck and, you know, to be able to buy groceries and be able to paint the barn or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's so that's it. There was this interesting conversation. Maybe we kind of probably got to start wrapping here. Cause I know you're on a, you're on a time crunch. Yeah, not really. I'm not on one. Okay. We got 20 minutes. There's a, uh, uh, an interesting point that James Poulos over at Blaze Media has brought up recently, where he's he's pointed out how there there is a there both is and isn't an actual American culture. Like it's kind of tough to be like like what is it being an American? What does it mean to be an American? What kind of American are you? There, we were talking about this in the voice chat in the Kingpilled server the other day that when you if you ask someone like, where are you from? Like who, like what, like what blood do you have? People don't say like, like, Oh, I'm from Alabama or, uh, you know, I'm from Arizona. I'm Arizonan. I'm Alabaman. I'm, I'm New Hampshire or whatever. They say I'm Scots Irish or I'm French poor people, or I'm, I'm German or something like they hail back to Europe. So like in in this sense, America is is really kind of just like a proxy for European. However, there is something that's very distinct about America. America has a very distinct national personality, and there are things like this, like this this conservative uh, stereotype that we're talking about, the sort of the the country bumpkin, the hillbilly, the white trash, the. These are all it's 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 interesting that basically all of the all of the words we have to describe it are all derogatory. You kind of You know, and that's funny like yeah, that they would probably take that as a badge of honor knowing them. Mm-hmm. But furthermore, it's a different and this is something yeah, you get these sort of coastal elite types, even the conservative variety who ostensibly are also conservative and on the same team and they just this whole fiasco over the past week on Twitter has been a great example of how this plays out. They spit all over the dumb rubes, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because I know a lot of these dumb rubes, it's the, the people I work with. I know people who are literally illiterate, cannot write their name when I need them to sign a bill when I deliver material to them. Cannot write their name. They just have to scribble because they don't know how to read. They don't know how to write. And you give them a piece of raw steel and a machine shop and they can make anything. 
without a blueprint. They could build a house without a blueprint. You know? Like, yeah, maybe the verbal IQ is a little on the low end, but I I don't know if things were to go south. Those are the kind of people I'd want around me uh-huh. who actually know how to do things and build things and be resourceful. Uh-huh. Like, I don't care about your uh, waxing poetic about, yeah, freaking Bertrand de Juvenal, you know, or whatever obscure right-wing philosopher. What? <sighs> You're not a real person. You're fake. And I don't mean that like fake and like, I don't know. You're just putting on, you're just, you're not a real person. It's like they're wearing, they're wearing conservative as a skin. Yeah, I don't like, I don't know how I could say it without getting like metaphysical. I don't want to like, I'm not making like an objective metaphysical claim that you're not a person, but you're basically not a person. Like you don't have agency. Hmm. Like a like a, a a a bot of an idea, like there's this idea of conservatism and that these 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 yeah the, you're the... right wing NPC that's what you are yeah yeah you're a parasite. Josiah says hot women on a calendar is Lindy. Conservative women on a calendar is not. <laughs> yeah. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Because that 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 like that's the cringy thing with the conservative women on the calendar is like. It's it's this very transparent boomerish uh, uh, LARP where it's like we have to take the liberal thing and we just have to make it cons- put conservative on it and then it'll be then it'll be cool or based or whatever. So just take the existing cultural things that suck and then just put our people on them and then they're better. But it's not th- there's nothing original or 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 uh, there's nothing grounded about that culturally. You know, what's interesting is like a, a conservative right wing company, like these, these like right beer guys or whatever, they could sell their right beer and their pinup calendar. And I don't know. I think that would track. I think people would be like, yeah, beer chicks. All right. Yeah. But you don't, you're not supposed to like market the calendar as being like, a calendar of conservative women, you know? Right. That's the it's thing like a that... calendar of conservative women for conservative dads. Just the whole the whole way that they advertised it just just really absurd. Broke the cringe circuits. <laughs> I do think that there's there's probably an interesting conversation about the urban urban rural divide and and uh, the you have the elites and the peasants. And in every society, you've got the circulation of elites. And ultimately, in order for the peasants to retain their culture, they have to have elites who are not peasants per se, but who are willing to go to war for the peasants so that the peasants can continue being peasants. Ideally, you want to have some sort of mechanism whereby the, the, um, the, the what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the excellent peasants can can become elites. This is part of the way you, you maintain new blood within the elite structures, et cetera, et cetera. What's happened lately is that the, the elites have completely cordoned themselves off from the rest of the society. So there's it's now become, it's becoming more and more difficult and even getting to the point of impossibility for someone who's a peasant, who's peasant born to... 
actually make it into the circle of the elites. And this, like, all you have to do is be a, a mediocre student of history to see how this ends. This is the natural life cycle of a civilization. When it reaches this point, the civilization collapses and falls apart and is replaced with a new one. That's how we know that it's going to happen. There's going to be a new civilization that replaces the one that we're in now. It's not going to be like you flipped a light off and that civilization ceased to exist. And then you flipped a new light on and a new civilization popped up. The one collapses as the other one grows out of it. Or the one is overtaken by the other, colonized, and the new one lives on. There's And it, people, we're not going to solve the problem of how this transition is going to happen in the next 13 minutes on a podcast. There's books and books and books and podcasts and, and books and more books and more podcasts that have all been written about this. I think the pertinent question for us is... Given that this is obviously something that's happening and that is going to happen and that there's going to be a new society that operates on different terms, that has different leadership, that espouses different cultural norms, that has a different legal structure, what role are we going to play in that? Are we going to be passively carried along? And just told where to go. Oh, line up here. Oh, okay. I'll go line up over here. Give your money here. Oh, okay. Here, here. I'll give you my money. Or are we going to play a role in determining what it's going to look like? And ensuring that we have some kind of representation within that structure. That that structure bears a resemblance to us. That our values have a voice that we have a safe place to raise our children. Are we going to have children? Are we going to be able to provide for them? Are we going to build are we going to build, build trees? Maybe building trees. Are we going to plant trees that our children can can sit under? Do we have that low time preference, that long time horizon? I think the biggest the biggest enemy that we're facing is not the regime it's the mind virus that's poisoning our people now into having no hope, into assuming that it's the end of the world, into assuming that it's a lost cause, into assuming that our enemies are all powerful, that no matter what we do, they're always going to be one step ahead, that everything is just collapsing degeneracy and awfulness. I went to a beautiful monastery today. I got to watch my three-year-old run around, well, not run around with, but run around a metro, like a 90-something-year-old metropolitan. I hung out with great people in a beautiful place. It's like heaven on earth. Good things still happen. There are good things in the world. Those things are worth fighting for and preserving Assuming that this is the end of the world and that everything is is lost and it's all bad and sucks and there's just degeneracy everywhere and just and perseverating on that constantly is a bitch move. It's a cop out. It's avoiding responsibility for 
pulling yourself up by your balls and creating a better life, doing something for someone else, using the talents that you've been given, not burying them, saying, oh, you know, there's no, there's no investment worth putting the money into. It's not safe. Everything sucks. And then the master comes home and he says, you couldn't even get like the barest amount of interest. Interestingly, in the story, that the parable that Jesus told, even earning interest on your money was at better a bank. at a bank was better than burying it in the ground and sitting there huddling around scared. This is the biggest, this black pilling, nihilism, doom pilling, gunakry that proliferates among the Christian nationalists, dissident right wing, NRX, whatever, MAGA, whatever crowd you, you identify yourself with. This simpering, feminized excuse for masculinity, that's the real regime. That's the enemy. The future isn't going to build itself. If you're sitting around waiting for daddy to come home and save you, you're just waiting for, oh, well, Caesar's going to show up eventually and then he's going to fight off all the bad guys and then we're all everyone at the end of the movie is going to stand and clap. That's not going to happen. If the future is going to look anything like what you want it to look like, you are responsible for building that future. If we're going to have coherent communities that are able to advocate for themselves, defend themselves, protect themselves, build a future for themselves, we have to intentionally create them. And it just so happens we have the most powerful community building tools of all time accessible to us. We just have to start using them intentionally, seeking each other out and forming communities of people together who aren't just there to, to bemoan all the degeneracy in the world, but who are actually focused on building and creating and producing, breaking the cycle of endless consumption and actually taking advantage of the tools that are at our disposal to cooperate together and build a future that we actually want to see. That's what we believe in here. That's what we're working on. This is the message that we're trying to spread. We've created our own little community. It's in its infancy. We've got more plans coming, more stuff that we want to do, stuff that we're working on. We've, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of irons in the fire right now. We're juggling many things. Pick whatever analogy you want. <sighs> yeah. But we want you guys to help us with this. We don't know how to solve all these problems. What we want to create is a community where people can come together and solve these problems. We're going to have more details coming soon on exactly what we're trying to build right now. Or what we think we're trying to build. We right. don't exactly know exactly what it is yet. Right. Right. We've kind of, we're, we're running into a wall. We keep running into the same wall over and over again. And we're like, oh, okay. What now? Well, let's we might, track back and let's do the same thing again. <laughs> might be trying to make something that's brand new. Hasn't been done yet. Right. Right. So 
when you're trying to make something that hasn't been done yet, you kind of don't really know where to look to get like, okay, so what's the next step? No one's done it yet. I don't know. Yeah, right. You're gonna figure uh, it out. I guess. I guess uh, let's try stepping here. Oh shit, it's dog shit. Oh man. We finally <laughs> came to the conclusion that we're just gonna have to talk about it on the show, and maybe you guys can help us because we keep running into the same walls. Right. Right. So we've got to get a little more infrastructure built out on our end before we can start before we can uh, really start getting into it. But uh, we want to be able to 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 work cooperatively with you guys. And I think that this this uh, dynamic that we have here is a very unique um, and growing sort of medium. The the live show interactive component here where it's like a it's like a back and forth between the host and the audience but then the show continues you go into the community and you continue having the conversation in the community this is a i've talked with with uh two bit jason about this a lot the what he's doing with the, with their show what they're working on the, the some of the things they're they're trying to do over there and seeing the way that as us with our little shows we start talking about things and we get certain stuff into the out into the conversation and it gets picked up and, 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 and taken on up. I mean, like right now, if we wanted to get something on the desk of Tucker Carlson, we probably could, we could probably figure out a way to do that based on the connections and stuff that we have and understanding the way the game is played. We can, we can start having an influence on things even when we're small. But it's going to take more than just us. We can't do it on our own. We have some ideas. We have some visions. But we're going to need more people involved just by default. The great thing, though, is that we have the capacity to organize people together and to work on things under the radar, to cooperate and build things together and roll them out, A-B test them, organize, coordinate messaging, building institutions, creating media, investing, all these sorts of things can all be done, but we have to start doing this intentionally. Not just getting bogged down in whatever the drama of the day is. It's interesting to do just for the sake of the lulls and like you have to have some fun and some hobbies or whatever, but there should be something substantive at the heart of it. Understanding what's going on, adapting accordingly, but constantly moving forward. So anyways, if you guys want to get involved with us, the least you can do, like this stream, share this stream, subscribe to the channel. Follow me on Twitter. Maybe share the last one. The last one was a banger. Yeah, the last one Cooper talked a lot, so it was good. Yeah. <laughs> you talked a lot in this one too. Um. Then if you want, we've got the King Pills. Uh, it wasn't as interesting group. in this one. I beg to differ. I think I'm I think just kind of whining. <laughs> I'm just whining, showing my thin skin. <laughs> what do you guys think? How do you think Cooper was today? Let us know in the comments. We may or may not read them. Uh, you won't. can also you can subscribe on the podcast. Uh, you can listen to us there if that's if that's better for you. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have some more stuff coming. We've got some really interesting interviews planned for this month. And uh, um, I'm going on at least one other show that I know of right now that's going to be be a pretty good conversation. So I'll make sure I share that with you guys uh, when it is appropriate. And yeah, I think we're going to do another stream tomorrow. 
Uh, hopefully, we're going to see how things go. We're busy. Cooper says maybe not. We'll let you know. At the very least, if you're in the the, the Kingpilled supporting listeners group, subscribestar.com slash Kingpilled. If you're in there, I'll let everybody know. I'll also tweet it out, at RealKingPilled on Twitter. And we will, guy, we will see you guys next time we see you. Oh, Buck Johnson is live right now. Ooh, 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 ooh. Hold on. Let me see if we can, uh, if we can uh, send everyone over there. Let me try to remember how to do this. Uh, edit. We're going to go raid Buck Johnson. Yes. I wanted to do this. Uh, customize redirect. Here we go. Let's search videos from other channels. Counterflow. Counterflow. Uh, okay, it didn't come up. Let me go over and grab that video. And then we will send it over. Oh, yeah, it's him with uh, with Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man. That is so cool that he was able to get him on. I grew up listening to him uh, with my dad. My dad's a big Hank Hanegraaff fan. So it was really cool when we found out that he was uh, redirect privileges needed. Ah, Buck has to ask us to, uh, he has to make enable it to make it possible for us to do it. So you guys can just go over there. Uh, Hank Hanegraaff converted to orthodoxy not too long ago. And uh, so it's really cool that, that Buck was able to, to get him on. Anyways, thank you guys. What's up, 2-Bit Podcast in the chat? When you guys, as soon as you guys are, are, as soon as this stream ends here, just go over to Counterflow, go watch his live premiere with uh, Hank Hanegraaff and tell him that King Pilled sent you. Thanks much, guys. We'll see you next time.